Welcome to GovCast. I am your host, Managing Editor Amy Kluber. Modernizing government involves more than the direct technologists putting systems in place to carry out agency missions. Part of it, especially during telework, should include things like payroll and other human resources processes. Bringing all this together is Infor's new pay offering. We spoke to Infor's Matthew Braxted, Vice President and Head of Human Capital Management Strategy and Product Management, about why government agencies should not forget about human capital management functions in their IT modernization journeys. Matt, thanks for joining us on GovCast. Great to have you. Oh, it's wonderful to be here, Amy. So what do you do at Infor? So my job is, is pretty awesome. I think I wake up every day with one of the best jobs in the world. I run all of our human strategy and product management globally for all of Infor's products that touch people. So whether that's specifically in the manufacturing industry or in the healthcare industry, or as we're talking about today for the federal and state and local governments, this is really the space that that I manage a, a fairly large team of product managers, as well as some strategists to make sure that we're meeting your needs. Great. So what do you make of the current climate we're in right now with all the increased telework, especially when it comes to the people aspect of some of the things that you work on? Well, I think it's pretty pretty unique in a lot of ways, Amy, because there are obviously a group of people that are not working right now because of furloughs, specifically in, in you know some of the retail sectors and hospitality sectors. There's another group of people that I think are discovering that either from an organizational standpoint or from an employee standpoint, well, they thought they could not do their job remotely. They're finding potentially very good successes doing it without having to go into an office. And then there's other folks like my team that this is actually business as usual. And so I think what's so interesting when you look across this is that there's no one size fits all. And people are going through different struggles, either individually with their jobs or all of a sudden now having kids and spouses at home when they weren't used to necessarily dealing with those distractions. And and so I think there's a lot of stress associated with it, but I think there's also a lot of energy. And, and very often I find that those two things kind of go hand in hand. And when stress and energy kind of meet head on is when I think a lot of innovation is happening. And so with companies like us that run you know, exclusively in the cloud or predominantly in the cloud, I think that what gets really exciting is that we're able to enable a lot of our companies to be successful as they're moving through this innovation layer that I think originally would have come out as very stressful and is now starting to really create a lot of velocity for the future of those companies. And so for me, I'm, I've always been kind of a cowboy. I, I like riding at the front of the different curves and different adoption curves. And I, I think we are definitely in a, uh, you know, an existential, externally driven adoption curve that I think is really going to have an impact probably for the rest of our career. I could definitely see that. Even though I'm getting along just fine working remotely, as far as being able to work remotely, there's a lot of things that come with that. Maybe some people didn't anticipate, like working with your husband, for example. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. The same table. Sharing the space with two people on conference calls. That's, I think, one of the most interesting things that I haven't had to deal with in the past. So Infor has an offering for GSA's new pay initiative. What exactly is that? So about three years ago, Infor took a pretty hard shift. You know, for those that don't know Infor, Infor is really specialized in industry-specific solutions. And so if you look at us in the healthcare space, you know, we have direct integrations with all of the HIS systems that manage healthcare, and we have direct integrations with all of the supply chain providers so that we can really take that functionality to the last mile. We do that as well in manufacturing 
manufacturing where we have an incredible global presence for different global manufacturers where we're taking not only just the human capacity, but we're also taking the ability to manage your production lines and the ability to manage your supply chain networks and, and all of those different things and really start to extend the ability to the last mile. So about three years ago, we did the exact same thing from a federal government perspective. It started with a pretty significant focus on the ability to enable OPM standards and build that as a, a localization, if you will, no different than if you lived in France. If you are a client that has to be OPM compliant, we have all of those standard forms dynamically built in. So gone are the days where we have SF50s and 52s and employees having to enter those. They get a very modern experience while they're interacting with their federal government forms. And you know, we, we basically can drive all of the compliance from that perspective. That then had a natural extension to the other parts of our human product standards. And that was really looking at our, our payroll product. And about a year and a half ago at this point, we won one of the two task awards for being able to handle all of the GSA payroll through the new pay initiative. And so where if I look at the federal OPM standards, which drove hundreds of feature enhancements into our product to be able to manage the federal government from an employee perspective, you know, did us incredible service from a foundational perspective on new pay, but we then had to add, I would say dozens, probably as a fair assessment, maybe up to you know three or four dozen of new features and functions, but key things that don't necessarily affect the commercial space, but are you know really requirements for the federal government. So things like pay cap and specific retros and you know order of precedence and locality pay with pay schedules and LES statements, right? Things as simple as that. So instead of trying to take a commercial payroll system and then jam it into the federal space, we really took a completely different approach. We actually created a federal federal payroll system that has all of the advantages and the benefits of a commercial payroll system, but is really not seen as a square peg in a round hole. So for us, it's really exciting. We're in the middle of this, you know, the validation of that task order right now. And, and so far, we're seeing a lot of energy and, and a lot of positivity from what they've reviewed specifically around this solution for us. At agencies, we tend to hear about IT modernization on the levels of systems or like something physical, maybe even data management. Where does this fit into an agency's IT modernization strategy? I would say probably right at its heart. So I often laugh with my product managers that if we screw up somebody's goals, they'll forgive us. If we screw up their emergency contact, they forgive us. If we screw up their pay, the level of forgiveness is a lot less. And so this really sits at the heart of why I think a lot of folks come into work every day, which is, you know, to get a paycheck. And from my perspective, the more people that you have interacting with the system on actually inputting data and the more potential breakpoints there are in that system, the more likely it is to actually have an impact on that bottom line, which is pay. So if you look at Infor, you know, as part of that last mile functionality, for us, payroll is much more than just getting the check correct with the, you know, specific state and local and you're on the left side of the street instead of the right side of the street. So you have to pay a different tax or different stipend. That's definitely a part of this program. But the other part of that program, which I think makes us uniquely qualified, if you're thinking about this as kind of a Venn diagram, is the fact that we bring forth an info-based workforce management system. And so we're not only tracking schedules and clocks and clocking in and clocking out all directly in the same system as our payroll, but we're also being able to manage a lot of those very unique scenarios that exist in the federal space 
space from a clocking in and clocking out perspective. The other organization that was also awarded this task order, that's an integration for them where they're having to keep two different companies and two different companies' focuses in alignment to make sure that that works. And for us, that's not the scenario because we have both sides of the house. And then really the third piece for that from our perspective is is our partnership with Grant Thornton. So if you're thinking now of adding a third circle to that Venn diagram, that's where really the rubber meets the road with Grant's knowledge of the federal space, the amount of real thought leadership that they've given us in this space, as well as their ability to influence the roadmap to ensure that, like I said, this is not a commercial product that we're trying to jam into the federal space, but instead a product really organically built for the federal space. That actually leads pretty well into my next question, which is, is this filling a gap in government right now? Absolutely. So both from a new pays perspective, as well as from all the other things we're doing in, a, in, in the federal space perspective, it's a massive gap in the amount of paper that still seems to exist. So where, in my view, from a commercial perspective, paper was done away with years ago, in the federal space, we're not seeing that. And part of that is levels of bureaucracy, which I think are, are very important in this space. The checks and balances are, are incredibly important in that space. But if they're not dealt with in a more modern vision of how we can deal with that, I think it can become an impediment to progress. And the reason why I say that is, is you know, we're living in a world today where medical records are all electrified and we can start to move coding, for instance, around the world. So we can, we can be very progressive in who is doing the work. And on top of that, you can move your medical records with you. So if you decide you know, to move from one hospital within even the in, in network to a different hospital, you can do that dynamically. In the federal government space, we're hearing stories of, of people that are moving you know, departments or even getting promoted where they're having to be fired and then rehired at a different organization because they cannot, you know, we don't have that visibility of being able to move people around. And on top of that, folks that are really you know, having to walk out of their job to go to another job with a two-inch thick file folder of all of their federal forms, to me, is, is ludicrous in the day and age that we live in now, which everything is so dynamic and electronic. So I think being able to remove as much pen to paper as we can from that space, the ability to dynamically route approval requests, for instance, and use artificial intelligence to start to identify areas that maybe, you know, well, the human brain can track a lot of patterns fairly well, you know, unless you are really acutely attuned to, to identifying specific patterns that are out of space. You're not necessarily identifying those areas where maybe somebody is trying to take advantage of the system or the system is taking advantage of somebody and you need to bring it to their attention that maybe their pay is incorrect because the system is assuming something is wrong. And so from my perspective, the ability to remove humans, not to say that robots are taking over, but to remove humans from the actual tasks themselves and instead put them at an oversight or overseer position to be able to manage processes is really the way that technology can enable everybody, commercial or government employees, but specifically the government, because like I said, I just think that there has been less speed of which they're adopting that kind of next generation of technologies. It seems like now is the time to do this more than ever, especially when you hear people are still being onboarded during a time when we are unprecedentedly working remote. Doing all those onboarding tasks must be really dependent on a digital strategy where this can fit in. Oh, my gosh. 
I, I could not agree more, Amy. I think that this is 100% the opportunity. You know, people often say that we, you know, people don't like to change. They don't like to adopt new things. And that there, there's often a moment or some sort of a cataclysmic event that needs to occur for us to move past the, but we're really comfortable where we're at to the, oh my goodness, we need to move. And it's specifically from what you're saying around this current event, this is an event that has forced people to take a hard look at just because we've always had people working next to each other in an office. Is that really a requirement? If you look at some of the best thought leaders in, in my space, so not working for one of the software providers, but really people that are constantly monitoring and surveying employees in the space, the number one most engaged employee right now from, from many of the thought leaders that I, I read are employees that are working from home that actually have a side gig. That's the number one most engaged employee. And if you think about them not actually taking any more work time to do whatever that side gig is, because now they're not commuting 45 minutes each way into the office, this current environment actually can hyper-engage employees, as opposed to, I think, what a lot of the fear was for folks that hadn't worked in this way, which was that employees were going to be hyper-distracted. And sometimes that distraction actually creates more engagement when they are on the clock. And I think that's part of the beauty of what's starting to happen, even though I fully recognize this is not necessarily a beautiful situation, you know, when you're looking at unemployment numbers and things like that. But I think there is a lot of beauty that can come from chaos. And we're going to be seeing the companies and the organizations and the agencies that take advantage of the chaos that's happened to create a much more beautiful and engaging view for their employees on the other side of this. Those are going to be the desirable places to come and work. That definitely sounds like a silver lining and something to look forward to for many employers, but of course, government. So what is the importance of having modernized technologies for any government agency? Well, it's really around the ability to standardize, the ability to, you know, get away from the special snowflake process flows and approvals. It's the ability to not have a system that's so dependent on one or a few number of people to be able to check the box that, yes, they've seen it. You know, I often say in process flow that, you know, I once was called by an agency that said, I can't fire anybody. And I said, what do you mean? I know my software can terminate people. How, how is it that you can't fire anybody? And when we went to dig in, their process flow required 13 people's approval to get a termination. And I personally don't know 13 people that'll agree on just about anything, the sky being blue or the leaves being green. But the reality is thinking about software, not necessarily software can absolutely run from a bureaucracy perspective to make sure that the right people get to approve the right actions, but it also can inform. And so when we started to break down those 13 approvals, 10 of those 13 people just wanted to be informed when somebody was going to get terminated. And the software can do that without it being an, an impediment. And I think that's really when I look at the NewPay product itself is it's really allowing us to make sure the right people are informed, make sure the right people are in the loop from an approval perspective. And in the end, make sure we're enabling employees to have a much more seamless and transparent view into what they're actually, into the relationship with their organization. Now, how are you thinking around security and privacy concerns, which are always a priority in government? Oh, my gosh. Well, I think anybody that thinks of that as a singular approach is going to be in trouble. I think we've seen how many breaches for companies that were looking at that as a very singular approach. So so we really have a multi-pronged approach for that. I think, you know, if anybody that goes out on the federal government authorized site, they'll see that Infor is authorized from a FedRAMP perspective. On top of that, it's not just one or two products. It's all the way up at 
our InfoOS layer, our operating system layer, and it is all of the different components, whether that's new pay, whether that's global HR and talent management, whether that's our burst analytics reporting platform, whether it's our expense management platform, or it's our workforce management platform, all of those have been independently certified and assessed by Coal Fire. So it's not a don't take our word for it. It's, you know, somebody that's an independent and has an objective view of this validating. But on top of that, you know, we obviously are running in the Gov community cloud uh, and we're using that level of protection as well. We have full system capability auditing and the ability to adjust, you know, kind of our, the view into the system to either move it looking at ahead or looking at behind to validate what's gone on to make sure that it is appropriate, that people are taking the appropriate action with alerts specifically on that auditing if we're starting to see people taking inappropriate action. And then I think the nice thing is the commercial space in a lot of ways has also allowed us to take advantage of some of the things that they're looking at. So whether that's, you know, GDPR at a more international perspective and the ability for an employee to be forgotten and, and really having, I think, you know, from an international perspective, they've been a little bit more forthright on this right to be forgotten on the ability or the requirements for employers and agencies to protect employees' information, but on even on a more closer to home. So when you look at, you know, California's compliance, the uh, CCPA compliance, being able to, to manage to that level as well. So, you know, we are constantly monitoring we, with our partner AWS, our system and making sure that it's bulletproof. On top of that, just the allowing the ability for a modern technology to be running on a multi-tenant cloud Many agencies back in the on-premise days, maybe many companies back when they were putting their own software, they were really dependent on, you know, a group of people or smaller agencies to protect their employees' data and, and to have professional companies now that what they do for a living is protect people's data, whether that's retail data or commercial data or government data. I think from my perspective, knowing that all my information is stored in, in more of that cloud space gives me a lot more peace of mind, knowing that I have a professional organization that's protecting it as opposed to Jim and IT, so to speak. Nothing wrong with Jim, though, obviously. <laughs> Jim, if you're out there, we love you as well. So you mentioned you are currently working with GSA. Is there anything that you learned in that partnership that you're applying to how you strategize around some of these HR processes? Absolutely. So I think what's so interesting is some of the GSA rules around retro pay and locality pay. I think, you know, well, I think a lot of folks generally think of the government as not as progressive and as, as you know, at the forefront of some of the different standards that are out there from a you know, that you often hear government should act more like a commercial space. Well, I think in some of those areas, GSA has actually informed the product pretty dramatically and really allowed us to kind of settle into that space and then think about it, how it could impact the commercial space. And so even things, you know, like specific company loans, where you can take loans against your pay and then pay those back, those aren't necessarily, maybe those are old concepts like bell bottoms that are coming back around again. But especially in a crisis scenario like this, you're starting to see, some of these concepts that maybe we zoomed past in our effort to modernize everything that are actually now starting to come back around and really starting to become potentially very viable from a commercial space. And so I think maybe in a lot of scenarios that's allowed us to take a breath and really look at it from a strategic and objective point of view, how we're impacting employees and, and really starting to offer something that's old, but yet now new again, as it is. So GSA has been an awesome partner there, as has their interaction with Grant Thornton in really informing a lot of those different segments for us. 
the bell bottoms of software. Is that, can I quote you on that? <laughs> yes. Yes. You can quote me on that. They're coming back again. So where do you see emerging technologies making the biggest impact here? I know you mentioned AI before and not necessarily removing the person from the process, but using technology to supplement some of the lower work yep. for employees. So where do you see emerging technologies here? Yeah, it's really around identifying, you know, what technology doesn't do well is creativity, right? It, it doesn't think outside the box. It doesn't it doesn't push past standard limits. It doesn't make dynamic decisions on the fly that are, you know, not based on some algorithm. But where it does really benefit, I think everybody is its ability to look at huge data sets and identify trends, look at huge data sets and recognize scenarios that seem out of place and then surface those up and inform. And so when I look at like AI and then some components around machine learning where you can start to identify and it can start to learn things like seasonal schedules or appropriate vacation time for specific individuals and how many people is really okay. Well, you know, what is a, in, in today's day and age, when I see, you know, a single person at the post office, is that actually make sense? Or is that going to put that person at risk to leave their career choice because they're just putting them under too much stress? And, you know, in a world where you can meet with your employees every single day and ask them how that they're doing, that works to be able to have it at a completely personal level. But in a day and age where maybe meeting with your employees every day is not necessarily an option, you need to depend on other factors beyond just, are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing great. Good. Let's go on till tomorrow. And so that's where I think different technologies can really start to benefit employers, can benefit agencies to start to identify those people that are at risk. And then not only that, not only the identification piece, but also then what can we do to start to mitigate some of that risk, Amy? And, and I think that without that, if it's just you know, I, I see a lot of AI engines that just basically fill up people's inboxes with more data. And unfortunately to me, you know, that's kind of the yesteryear of where analytics, the promise of analytics is more information. But we are so inundated with information and we're constantly being asked to choose, you know, is a LinkedIn request more important than a Facebook request, more important than, you know, your Echo sitting there screaming you that you're about to get a delivery, more important than a specific work assignment, more information is not the solution. Instead, it's better information and more concise and timely information that's the solution. And I think that's where emerging technologies have a really exciting appeal to them because they can start to sift through the noise and actually start to serve up very specific, meaningful touch points with your organization, with your people, with your data that will really enable us to move past this productivity gap or productivity threshold that it seems like we've hit. Well, Matt, this has been a very interesting insight into some of the people around the agencies and in the IT modernization side of things. So I'm really glad I got to talk to you. And it seems like you're pretty passionate about this area. And it seems like we should not be forgetting the HR side of things in overall strategies at agencies. So I'm really happy to have gotten more insight about it. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, I am so passionate about this because the reality is even in completely lights off manufacturing facilities now or distribution facilities, people are still making a lot of the good decisions and people are still involved. And so, you know, much like you just described about the agencies, it's still people that are making the government tick, the economy tick. It's still people that are giving us all the reason why we get up in the morning and go to work. I, I can tell you people don't leave jobs, they leave their bosses. And so anything I can do to enhance managers, anything I can do to enhance an employee's experience in their day-to-day -day life at scale, whether it's the federal government or the or state and local governments, whether it's commercial industries or anywhere around the globe, I know that I'm affecting, you know, my parents, my sister, 
my eventual kids. And that's what's most exciting to me. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you hear, let us know by leaving us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. GovCast is produced by Amy Kluber. Theme music provided by Big Hoax. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com. Thank you.